Zardoz speaks to you, his chosen ones. Nymphs, not the sexy Greek ladies you were hoping for. I'm Torin Atkinson. See my vest, see my vest, made from real to my chest. I'm Kevin Pitts. Rostram, Rostram, I'm Kevin Leeson. There's a singing penis in this episode, but I promise it's not mine. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Insects, but not just any insects, true bugs. What does that mean? Of the order Hemiptera. Means half and wing. Half and wing. Who is that on the phone? It's hey. Gavin Pitts, as heard in our Flies and Maggots episode. This comes back to gross you out more with six-legged things. So half and wing, why, like, do they all have half wings? Well, there's two suborders in the bug family, but uh, basically uh, uh, your true bugs, they're so-called because the four wings are hardened at the base but membranous at the tip, so it looks like they've only got half of a wing. Oh. Um, there's a suborder that has fully membranous wings, which are called homoptera, and the ones that are have the half ones are heteroptera, but they're both classified under hemiptera. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, this is that HBO series that everybody talks about where you get to see naked vampires, right? True Bugs, isn't that the... That's True Blood. I wish there was a series called True Bugs. Yeah, I'd watch it. Of course you would. All right, we need some we need some caustic soda fan art now. We need a True Blood promo photo or picture. But with bugs, true, bugs. true blood poster with true <laughs> bugs. Yeah, Make I love it, it. So the Hemiptera comprises around fifty thousand to eighty thousand species of cicadas, aphids, plant hoppers, leaf hoppers, shield bugs, and others. That actually sounds low to me. Fifty well, to eighty thousand. We haven't found yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, you always hear like, oh, like there's more bugs than all the other species of things combined and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the, the species, not the individual number. So it's like could be you know several million. Per species. So, oh, I guess that's a good point. It's pretty good. Bug is a catch-all term for you know non-entomologists. It's like anything that's six-legged, or God help you if you say it in front of an entomologist, eight-legged is often called a bug. That's just wrong. We're on a bound to kill anybody who uses the eight-leg mistake. Kill by assassin bug. <laughs> but I can say that arachnids <laughs> bug me, right? No, you have to say mm, they bother you. Area. I have to say they bother me. <laughs> Damn it. True bugs range in size from one millimeter, that's 0.04 inches, to around 15 centimeters, that's six inches. What six-inch bugs are there? I haven't met one yet, and I don't want to. The giant water bug would probably be the largest. They can grow up to around six or even seven inches. I've seen very large ones. And, uh, yes, they can basically jump on your face and say hello. <laughs> well, they sound relatively harmless. I mean, it has water in the title, right? Except for water moccasin. I've never heard anything. That's Kevin, like... you are mostly water. <laughs> if they're called water bugs because that's what they eat, they want to eat you. <laughs> yeah. no, they're, they're called water bugs because they live in the water. But, they, you know, they, I mean, like most insects, they can fly. So they'll fly between areas of water. And if, if they encounter you in the meantime, I mean, they're predators, so they'll bite and they're large, so they have bitten people. Other, what? Other so, names for uh, giant water bugs are toe biters, yeah. electric light bugs, and alligator ticks. Alligator, alligator ticks. ticks. Okay, that sounds a lot more <laughs> caustic soda than water bug does. Okay, somebody's going to have to invent a very tiny little clock so one of the alligator ticks can swallow it and follow me around. And then they can be alligator tick-tock. That's right. But of course, a tick is an arachnid, so if anyone says that in front of me, I'm obligated to kill them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank goodness you're on the other side of the world. Whew. Does being an entomologist give you a license to kill? <laughs> Especially if he's a forensic entomologist. Okay, so this is kind of a public service announcement then. Don't say bug about eight-legged uh, creatures around an, uh, an entomologist or they are literally allowed to kill you. Yeah, and they will do it ironically by releasing the bug that you've mislabeled into your home so they can consume you. But yeah, the giant water bug actually demonstrates the second defining characteristic of Hemiptera very well. They've got an enormous 
mouth part, or the mouth parts are modified into a long tube with a sharp tip called a rostrum. Rostrum. They use that to suck up fluid, uh, and the fluid depends on the the bug, but it's it can be sap or blood or nectar or cerebrospinal fluid or whatever it is that they particularly like. Rostrum. 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 <laughs> We've got some photos of uh, giant water bugs that are tackling uh, baby turtles and wow. frogs and stuff like that that we'll post on CausticSodaPodcast.com. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, it's like right in the back of its neck. Yeah, they do that. They mostly go for uh, small insects or larger insects, I should say. But yeah, they will go for vertebrates like fish and frogs especially. But yeah, turtles and tortoises. And in Canada... They've been observed taking ducklings and goslings. Nice. What? <laughs> How far is the spread for the giant water bug? Is it worldwide? or They're all over the world because, you know, they, they go in water and also they can fly. So it's basically, yep, they're everywhere. There's nothing that can stop them. Not really. I... <laughs> Except for us. They're particularly in Thailand. They're eaten as food. So they get we get revenge on them for them biting us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I've never had one, but I'm sure they must be quite tasty. I feel a uh, sci-fi channel movie coming on, like the giant, giant water bug. Rostrum. Giant radioactive water bugs. It has been done. H.G. Wells beat you to it. <laughs> oh, food of the gods. Giant, giant water bugs. <laughs> yeah, but H.G. Wells is probably in the public domain now, so suck it, H.G. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're harmless. I mean, they will stab you with their rostrum, but uh, and they do have a venomous saliva, but it doesn't really, it doesn't do anything to kill you. It just hurts like hell. That sounds like <laughs> something that would happen to you in prison. I got stabbed by a rostrum. And it could happen. It's a code. In water bug prison. It's a code for something that happened to you in the shower. I got rostrumed? They got rostrumed. Well, if they'd be anywhere in a prison, they would be in the shower, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Toe biters, after all, get you in the drain. Well, maybe while we're talking about water bugs... We can also talk about the water strider or pond skater. The pond skater is it's a, it's not big. It's a, a little one, unlike the uh, the giant water bug. But uh, they make up for it being rather small by being awesome and cool, uh, <laughs> entomologically anyway. Uh, they're found uh, they're predatory. They're found on the surface of freshwater ponds and lakes, literally on the surface, uh, because they they use their legs to straddle the uh, water film. Without breaking the surface tension. All right. Okay. And so, and they bounce up and down on it. They use it like a sounding board, and they they can detect vibrations on the surface with their feet. And if any other insect comes along and, and lands on the film of water, like a drowning fly or something, they scoot over and kill it and drain it dry. So the surface of the water is like their spider web. Yeah, and they they also use it to advertise for females and to tell the other males to bugger off. Uh, yeah, as well as using it as as a hunting surface. How do they use it to call for females? They bounce up and down on the water and create uh, ripples. So they play it's the like, drums on it. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, yeah, the females go, ooh, that sounds good. I'll go over and investigate. As soon as one of them finds out how to play the guitar or sing vocals, the drummers are just in big, big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the, the male you know, the male isn't always attractive to the female, but the, he has a, a, a nasty little uh, trick up his sleeve. Ooh. <laughs> well, if the female's not interested, she can... I mean, he'll mount he'll mount her, jump on her, but if she's not interested in him, she blocks his penis with something called a genital shield. Okay. I think I've encountered those before. <laughs> but uh, if he's one of the males that won't take no for an answer anyway, again, he uses the pond surface, but this time he uses it against her because um, he makes a series of specific vibrations that attract back swimmer bugs, which are... Larger bug, uh, much larger than the the pond skater, and they and they swim on underneath the surface. Yeah, yeah, they're like the the evil opposite of yeah. the pond. Like skater. a mirror universe, <laughs> they're like the bizarro yeah. pond skater. They hunt on, on the underside of the the water surface uh, on under the film, and the, so it vibrates and attracts the back swimmer. Uh huh. The male of the pond skaters is on the female's back, so he's completely out of harm's reach. He's using her as a buffer, as a bug shield, as opposed to a genital shield. He's using the back swimmer as his wingman because, like, the female has a choice to either mate with the male (laughs) or or get eaten by the back swimmer. So so they become fast swimmer, fast food, you know, kind of thing. That feels like coercion to me. Where are the pond yeah, skater yeah. police in this equation? Uh, I, I think the uh, back swimmers probably eat them. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. how do they deal with choppy water? 
Because, you know, that surface tension breaks up, and I would expect that they at least sometimes end up underwater. I've heard of them described as the only animal that lives in two dimensions because they don't go underwater or up into the air. They only live on the surface, so it's like everything is flat for them. So I guess they because they live on the surface film, I guess they're too small to break it. So if if in a – I'm sure they'd be a bit seasick, you know, going up and down. But (laughs) I don't think they'd actually break through and drown. Okay. <laughs> they got their system down pat. They lay rafts of hundreds of eggs uh, on any flotsam and jetsam that they find, uh, usually inanimate objects like driftwood or, or pieces of rope and things, but it can also be... Drowning babies. Yep. And so uh, human corpses have been recovered that are loaded with egg masses in excess of 70,000 eggs. Nice. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big omelette. <laughs> You'd be cracking them all day, though. Like, they're so small... <laughs> It's true. That's, that's work intensive. That was, that was just three eggs right there. Repeat <laughs> yeah, 20,000 times. Considered a delicacy as well oh. in uh, some areas. Oh. But presumably not the ones they have to scrape off a human corpse. <laughs> <laughs> presumably. You don't know yeah, that, though. Yeah. No, I don't maybe, know for sure. Maybe that's the extra special one. you got to order that off the uh, secret menu. Yeah. That is the Kopi Luwak of water strider egg food. <laughs> Let's talk about the loudest bugs in the world. Well, there's two. You've got uh, this one, probably, I can hear you starting to giggle already, the singing penis bug. The singing <laughs> penis bug? Yep. Okay, now hold on a sec. Does it sing about penises? <laughs> yes. Maybe he sings about his own penis. He's like, I got a huge penis. My ding my ding <laughs> We haven't actually uh, translated the song yet, but I'm sure it probably does sing about its penis. But no, it actually sings with his penis. Oh, uh, that was my other choice. That was the other option. It's another aquatic uh, bug. It's called the water boatman. Uh, this particular one is the lesser water boatman, Micronecta schultzi. Uh, it's a tiny little hemipteran. It's basically the vegetarian equivalent of a back swimmer because they do the same thing as a back swimmer, but they only eat uh, algae and things that they're harmless to people. Uh-huh. Uh, they're about the size of a grain of rice. However, uh, the males stridulate for females. That stridulating is just, you know, um, making a chirp. Stridulate. Say it with me, guys. Stridulate. <laughs> stridulate. Yeah, it's basically like, like a cricket does with its legs, you know, rubs rubs them against notches and but makes with a its noise. penis. Yes, it, it doesn't use, use its legs, it uses its penis. What does and, it rub uh, its rub- penis against? To make this abdomen. beautiful sound against its abdomen. Yep, uh, it's basically you know uh, creates a, a rasping, chirping whistle with its penis uh, to attract females, uh, <laughs> See, and it presumably annoy the living hell out of every other animal in the pond. You know, it's I like, will you know, tell Shut you. Shut your penis up! We're trying to sleep here. <laughs> I will tell you, if humans could do this, it would make karaoke a lot more fun. Well, if you had that washboard stomach, you've more been to- trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> Relative to body size, uh, the schlong song is the loudest sound produced by any animal. By uh, any animal a, on the planet. This is relative to its Relative body size, to its size. This, Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's comparable to the roar of an elephant. It's so loud that a person walking along beside a riverbank can hear the insect underwater when it's at the bottom. Oh. Wow. Uh, so you can walk along, you know, just feeding the ducks or whatever, and suddenly you're being bombarded by insect penis noises. So I would think that, that it being this loud and annoying to all the other animals, I wonder if that helps out in finding a mate. Like, come on, just go sleep with him so we can so we can all actually sleep. This is the uh, nature world's ultimate wolf whistle. Yeah. They're like all hanging out of the construction zone. Hey, baby, look what I got. Oh, yeah, it's big. Oh, listen to that. It's one of the ones that I'm glad doesn't translate to humans, actually, because otherwise there'd be, like a, there'd be a permanent 10-mile radius of insomniacs around like, yeah. Jason Priestley's house or something. I know. Instead, we just use Facebook, which you can easily ignore. The information I've got uh, is that it can attain volumes up to 99.2 decibels when they yep, yep. sing. And that's louder than a subway and about the same volume as a diesel truck. Now, like, isn't it like a chain? Chainsaw like 120 or something. That's yeah, that's ridiculously yeah, it's, loud. It's, it's not a logarithmic scale size though. Of a grain of rice, so it's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is really impressive. <laughs> and also, it's making it with its penis, which is even more impressive. <laughs> and it's like two centimeters long or something, right? It's probably two rib- millimeters. Two it's millimeters. Tiny. Oh, it's tiny. It's probably ridged for her pleasure too. <laughs> but there's also the green grocer cicada. They're little plant suck, sap sucking bugs, I should say. Medium to large sized herbivorous bugs. Uh, they usually sap 
Oh, sucks that, but as I said, the males don't stridulate, uh, making the sound by rubbing, but they use drum-like membranous organs called timbals, like cymbal but with a T. Right, okay. Uh, and they, they use muscles in the timbal to flex them in and out and cause a clicking noise. The abdomen is mostly hollow. And uh, it amplifies the noise massively. There are 3,000 species found all over the world. Uh, in Australia in particular, because they like hot environments, uh, we have our fair share. And they've all got cool names like Green Grocers, Cherry Noses, Yellow Mondays, and Chocolate Soldiers. But, yeah, they, they, Sounds like <laughs> brands of acid that they were having at Woodstock. All disturbing condoms of some description. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Green Grocers, the uh, Cicrochilla australaceae, are the loudest cicada in the world. Uh, they have a call that reaches 150 decibels. Now that's about the same as a jet engine, firecracker, or balloon pop can cause permanent damage. Uh, eardrum rupture occurs at 160 decibels. Holy if one of them actually lands frick. on your head and begins to sing, it will hurt you. That's how loud it is. It will be on the verge of bursting your eardrums. I've had one land on my shoulder and it caused physical ear pain. Oh, uh, I was bad. like, get off! <laughs> and then you did the old uh, William Shatner pose. Yeah. <laughs> hands covering the ears. Grimace on the face. More like Chekhov in Wrath of Khan. It was like, oh, oh. <laughs> started bleeding, bleeding profusely from my ears. You know? So, and how, how big are these ones? Are they, they're obviously much bigger. They're about the size of um, a mouse, I would say. Oh, okay. So, you know, like two, three inches kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're a pretty big bug. Uh, but I mean, they're complete, they don't mean you any harm. They're just trying to sing. But, you know, they're, they're singing very loudly and offensively. So, it's kind of like Celine Dion, I guess. <laughs> it's like they're not actually trying to hurt anybody, but they end up taking all this collateral damage out with them. Just like Celine Dion, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that's the name of her new Vegas show, Collateral Damage. Collateral Damage. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure. But cicadas are actually uh, quite interesting because you've also got periodical cicadas, which you might uh, have heard of. They're incorrectly known as 17-year locusts. But Why is that incorrect? Because uh, they're not locusts. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, It's an archaic term because they thought, oh, you know, anything that sings must be some sort of cricket right. or locusts. So, but locusts are orthopterans, uh, which are not remotely related to uh, hemipterans. No, or... no, no. <laughs> mm. So, yep. I am so glad when we out. started talking about the cicada, I didn't go, isn't that a kind of locust? Because I almost <laughs> did. Technically, they should be called 17 or 13-year cicadas. But, yeah, the, the periodical cicadas, they're called. They, those ones are particularly uh, particular only to North America and Canada. Um, and, yeah, they're called periodical cicadas because the nymph of the, the uh, cicada takes a very long time to develop. You've got uh, seven species. Four of them spend 13 years underground before emerging as adults, and the remaining three spend 17 years underground before emerging as adults. Wow. Uh, now, when you say nymph... You mean yeah. super sexy lady, right? <laughs> no, no, they don't have to be sexy. They just have to want sex. <laughs> right. Well, that's where it comes from. Uh, obviously, again, the ancient Greeks needed prescription glasses like it was going out of fashion. Nymphs, baby insect. Well, baby hemipteran insects. Okay. All right. There's two types of insects, basically, babies. You've got the um, homo metabolus and the hemimetabolus. Meaning? Well, bugs are hemimetabolus uh, in that they have, rather than going through a complete transformation, such as egg to caterpillar to pupa to butterfly or uh -huh. fly to pupa to maggot, uh, hemimetabolus insects, like a bug, hatch into nymphs, which resemble the adult form, except they don't have wings or sex organs. And they're kind of pasty white and gross. Well, more gross than the adults. They grow larger, but they don't change their form all that much. All they do is they grow larger, get wings, and get a uh, sex organ, And uh, but there's no pupil state. So there's so no grub they, they form. No, there's no radical transformation. They lo look like little adults, right. and then they just get bigger and bigger, and, and but there's no pupa and no, no grub. So they're teenage so bugs. The nymph of the periodical cicadas take uh, you know 13 or 17 years as nymphs. They're just sitting there under the ground. Uh, minding their own business and sucking the occasional root of the tree for for food. How long is their entire life cycle? Like when they finally come out after 17 years underground? They hang around for about two weeks, mate and die. So they, they do most. <laughs> their, yeah, they do almost all their living as as nymphs. What a life! <laughs> they're, all they're doing is planning for that one two week party. Yeah, no they're kidding, like, dude. It's gonna be so good. No when wonder I'm a full they're grown adult. They they're probably nymphomaniacs. That's right. Yeah. 
when they get out. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> the sneaky thing that they do is called predator, predator satiation strategy. Right. Uh, they all emerge at once. So they can't possibly all be eaten by the crows and no, the skunks and whatever. Literally tens of thousands all hatch at once and all come out at once to try, climb the tree. You know, they're emerging from the ground to climb a tree. Yeah. Uh, so you've got some predators that come in and gorge themselves stupid. Bonanza! After a while, they're just going, oh, can't eat anymore. <laughs> Not eat one more of these green grocer cicadas. You've still got thousands of cicadas popping up out of the ground and they're just going, oh, that's it, I'm not having another bite. So, you you know, they could eat 10,000. and then Fuck off, like, I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah, I can't have another bite. <laughs> this nymph is wafer thin. <laughs> so then the cicadas that are left, which are, can be like thousands upon thousands right. of them, usually rest in one or two chosen trees mm-hmm. uh, and the males chirp all at once uh, calling, and uh, the tree becomes what is called a chorus centre mm. and it can be literally maddening. Uh, people have been driven insane. <laughs> Do we have any uh, names? Citation needed. People have just said in the, the literature that, yes, people have gone mad and thrown themselves into rivers. Oh, wow. And or, or basically, like, fired shotguns at the trees and things like that. <laughs> shut up! Uh, shut up! Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> because they're mouse-sized and they're, they're sinister black color and they have mm-hmm. blood-red eyes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, of course, they emerge in their thousands. Yeah and lots of people don't know about them, people go into a panic and think, oh, my God, some giant bug has landed on me. And so um, in 2006, when the periodical cicadas emerged in Washington, yeah, uh, several people had the bugs land on them and ran screaming into traffic <laughs> and got hit by cars. Oh, yeah. no. um, other people were hospitalized because their loved ones ba- beat them with baseball bats and tennis rackets trying to get the bugs off them oh. um, and ended up doing them a lot. Meanwhile, the bugs just sitting going, hello, I'm, I'm well, harmless. How, how big are these cicadas? Are these like three inches as well or are they smaller? Yeah, they're about mouse-sized and, of course, the, and like the I said, they're red finger, eyes maybe? and black. So it's like, they look evil, but they're completely harmless. I'm a pretty rational dude and if like a couple of thousand of these things landed on me, I would probably freak the F out as well. <laughs> I, I don't fear insects, like the creepy crawly things, you know, but if a three-inch cicada landed on me, with a bunch of buddies coming up its rear, I would probably lose it too. Well, if you take your stupid tree costume off, you wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I might be a little startled, but I don't think I'd run in front of a bus. Now, <laughs> in your defense, you are an entomologist. Uh, a couple of my friends who live in Washington were going, uh, yes, uh, we, we were going to email you and ask if they were dangerous and things, but we saw other people like swatting at them and like beating them and tearing at their clothes. and So there's all these like, you know, people running half naked around Washington that day, getting smacked by you know lorries, and I suppose beating themselves against the Washington Monument or something. <laughs> I would just run through the area with my mouth open, see how many I could catch, <laughs> <laughs> until you were full and you couldn't stand it any longer. That's right. With I'm, my earmuffs on. I'm going to call you on that. <laughs> we're going to have to get you down there next time they come up. Yeah, and only... see if that's really what you're going to do. I accept. There are cicadas that come out, like, every year you can find a c- yes, cicadas yes. coming uh, out. The periodical cicadas uh, are rare. Most of them just go, bugger that. I'm not going to wait, you know, almost a, you know two decades to come out. I want to have sex now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, most of them just come out and say hi <laughs> once a year. That was like me in high school. But I can actually go into uh, some bugs that are much more dangerous to humans if you if you so desire. Are you thinking assassin bug time? I think it might be. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Well, this one doesn't sound like a pond skater or large water <laughs> bug. This one actually sounds like it. you don't want to mess with an assassin bug. Yeah. They're not called milkman bugs or, you know, um, happy, happy, happy bugs. <laughs> Ice cream bugs. Assassin bugs, yeah, and they call that for a reason. All all the assassin bugs are predators. Um, they use their uh, rostrum to suck blood. Okay, that's in mammals. The ones that, they're either predators or parasites. The predatory ones target other insects, uh, chase after them, and uh, basically suck them dry. Right. The parasitic ones do that, but they tend to target mammals, and humans are mammals. <gasps> mm, exactly. I'm not 100 percent sure I want to hear this, but. How exactly do they take benefit? Well, there's all sorts of different kinds of uh, assassin bugs. Which one should we talk about first? The triatominids are the ones that are really dangerous to humans. 
the triatominid assassin bugs are also called kissing bugs. Oh, kissing bugs. Okay, so now you took a name like assassin bug, and then you take a subspecies of assassin bug and call it the kissing bug, and that's like one of the most dangerous ones? Somebody in your community is trying to screw us over. Yeah, false sense of security. They're they're called kissing bugs because when they attack humans, uh, which they do uh, at any opportunity because we're uh, usually asleep when they go for us, they'll go for your lips. Oh. (laughs) I like my lips. Just want a little peck on the lips. (laughs) No, they go there because it's soft tissue, right? Yeah, and and also because they home in on carbon dioxide, so you're breathing out, and then, of course, they're walking on your lips, and they go, "Mm, this is nice and soft and full of blood. I think I'll go for it. Now, kissing bug, no tongue. (laughs) (laughs) I like to see Katy Perry kiss one of them and like it. Let's put it that way. (laughs) They're quite common in South and Central America common in Mexico and occasionally reported from Texas. Yeah, I have, uh, it's estimated that 10 million people in Mexico, Central America and South America have Chagas disease. That's a disease, you know, once again, like like with the flies last time, the actual blood taking isn't too bad. I mean, it's gross. So like a mosquito bite. Yeah, and if your wife wakes up to see you, you know, locking lips with a bug, she might whack you over the head or something. But they are vectors for a very nasty disease called Chagas or Chagas. Uh, it's a wasting disease also known as American sleeping sickness. <laughs> right. Okay. It's the uh, malaria of the assassin bug. I think Joe has sleeping disease. <laughs> You're only saying that because I yawned right there. <laughs> it's like um, like African trypanosomiasis, African sleeping sickness. It's caused by a protozoan parasite called right. Trypanosoma cruzi. It's pretty much the leading cause of death via heart attack in all of South America. Wow. Oh. If you die in South America of a heart attack, you've probably been bitten by a trimetomonid kissing bug. Now, there are two different kinds of diseases. There's an acute and a chronic. There's a mild form uh, in which you just get flu-like symptoms with fevers and joint pain, headaches, appetite loss, diarrhea and vomiting, you know, that kind of thing. And a local swelling, a chagoma, where the parasite entered the body. Chagoma. Chagoma. The, the first sign you look for, called Romana's sign, which, strangely enough, has nothing to do with Doctor Who, despite oh, one of the companions being named as Romana. Romana. <laughs> Show me your sign. It's a swelling of the person's eye, where the person has accidentally rubbed the kissing bug's frass, which is poop, into frass. their eyes. Oh. Insect poop is known as frass. So uh, they've rubbed it into their <laughs> eyes while sleeping uh, from irritation, and that's how the uh, parasite gets into your system. I thought something went horribly wrong when I ordered a Frasacino at uh, Starbucks the other day. The severe form uh, leads to the enlargement of the liver and the spleen, damage to the muscles and the valves of the heart, and death by either encephalitis or heart attack. And megacolon? Yes, it can do that as well. And megaesophagus. And we all know what megacolon is from our... Feces episode. That possibly explains Elvis Presley, because he had a megacolon, apparently. Oh, nice. Good lord. Got the Chagas. I thought it was cheeseburgers that did that to him. <laughs> you have fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yeah. Well, I don't like the sounds of this bug at all. Assassin bugs in general are not very nice to people. They're, they've um, been implicated in not just with Chagas disease, cause, because their bite hurts as well, because they're quite large. They can also be used as instruments of torture. Well, how, wait, how big are these bugs? They can range from one inch to about two to two and a half inches. They're, oh, good Lord. Their rostrum is very strong. Right. When they stab you, you're going to feel it and scream a lot. <laughs> oh, so you could t- actually wake up and have a two and a half inch bug on your mouth, sucking your blood. Sucking blood from your lips. <laughs> oh. Those ones are sneaky because they have um, the old sedative in the uh, right. saliva. It means you won't feel it. I wonder what you're dreaming of when it's when it's biting you. Like, what's your dream when you're getting a kissing bug biting your I lip? I dreamt I was a voodoo doll. Well, donating blood, and then I woke up and I needed a cookie. You know? Or you're making out with some chick and she's, like, biting you on the lip and it's all awesome. <laughs> I don't know if it's awesome, though. Well, it's certainly not awesome when you get a chagoma as a result of it. But have any of you heard of the Zinden bug pit? I've heard of the Bukhara bug pit. Is that the same thing? Yes, it's in Uzbekistan. And uh, now it's a tourist attraction, but not so much a tourist attraction in the 19th century. 
or I guess it was a tourist attraction, but you didn't really want to see it. <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a tourist something. It wasn't a tourist attraction. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, this was in Uzbekistan in the 19th century. The Emir of Bukhara uh-huh. had a bug pit in his zindan, which is basically a jail cell, uh, stocked with hundreds of triatominid assassin bugs into which he threw his enemies and they were slowly exsanguinated over a period of several weeks. Exsanguinated. I know what that means. (laughs) That means to lose all of your blood. So it was a not entirely voluntarily blood drive, basically. Yeah, there was a famous case of Colonel Charles Stoddart, a British officer and diplomat in 1839, was sent to uh, Bukhara, Uzbekistan, to enlist his support in halting the expansion of the Russian Empire. Stoddart arrived with a letter from the Governor General of India rather than the Queen, and contrary to custom in Bukhara, rode into the castle on horseback rather than walking. These were his two primary offenses to Emir Nazrula, nicknamed the Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a clue right there that he's not going to welcome you with open arms. Unless he's got a cleaver in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might welcome you with a whole bunch of sausages. I don't know, that would be the this. best butcher <laughs> yeah. you'd want to. I think after this story, his nickname might have been better suited, like The Bleeder. The Bleeder, yeah. <laughs> uh, who promptly threw him in the bug pit, which was roughly 12 feet deep and only accessible by a rope lowered down through a hole in the center of the ceiling. The prison guards poured daily doses of scorpions, rodent slice, and assassin bugs. Man, he totally beat up on the 300 guys. Yeah. This is Uzbekistan! <laughs> Into the pit where there's a lot of bugs, and that's even worse <laughs> than falling. Ha ha. And he languished in this pit alone for a year. Then, a year? Then Captain Connolly... Well, there are all those bugs to eat. ...in 1841 traveled to request his release, and then he joined him in the pit. <laughs> wow, that Voluntarily? Is... Well, if you're not going to let him go, <laughs> then you should just put me in there, too. This uh, is... Don't you think know it I'm the way. butcher, right? You know I'm the butcher. Why would you say that? I'm the butcher. This guy never heard that saying, do not kill the messenger. Obviously. Mm. Or maybe he heard it, but he misheard it. Do kill the messenger. But yeah, lots of assassin bugs, uh, including the ones that spread Shaga's disease, can stridulate. I make that chirping squeak again by rubbing their their rostrum against the ridges on the surface of their thorax. So because of this, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but they were touted as a possible weapon against the Viet Cong during the Vietnam War. (laughs) how, How did them... Being able to stridulate, how would they make them anti-communist? Noise bug bombs? <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, I've got a quote here directly. This is from Parasitic Insects, a 70s book. Uh, as a, The United States Pentagon was reported to be planning to send kissing bugs to help win the war in Vietnam. Plans were based on kissing bugs screaming with excitement when exposed to human flesh. <laughs> okay. a, a sound amplification system enabled the GI sweating through the Asian jungle to hear the anticipatory screeches of a captive bug as it detected the Viet Cong lying in ambush ahead. Tests apparently showed a hungry kissing bug would detect the presence of a man 200 feet away whilst ignoring its carrier to which it had become habituated. Oh, so the GIs would carry the assassin bugs as Viet Cong sniffing animals. Unfortunately, it didn't really work uh, yeah. because the bugs don't stridulate when they're act- looking for meals. Uh, yeah. They stridulate when they're looking for mates or challenging Randy. rivals. Right. right. And so all of the GIs were carrying them. And they're constantly thinking, oh, here's a rival or she's a mate. So they're shrieking at each other constantly. Uh, and they want to the Kong in advance. And so the GIs were getting mowed down by their own bug. Hoisted on their own rostrums. <laughs> yeah, it's like putting like a like a big like noisemaker yeah. on every single soldier. You can talk about the the you know idiocy of the military industrial complex, but this is just bad science. Like they didn't talk to a scientist about this beforehand? They just kind of like, test drove it? Oh, those bugs scream. Let's use them. <laughs> I'm sure the experiment didn't last very long. Yeah. All right, you guys go in the jungle. Oh, they didn't come back. Well, let's try <laughs> it one more time. We get a lot of soldiers. Also, I'm not sure how they would have habituated the bugs to the GIs. Yeah, I was wondering about that myself. Uh, maybe they placed them on their own lips at night and <laughs> they became buddies. Maybe they sing quietly to them. <laughs> maybe they brought in the bug whisperer and he taught them how to train them. Bug whisperer. Well, let's talk about the feather-legged assassin bug then, shall we? They're called um, gossamer assassins as well. Ooh. Gossamer assassins. That sounds like uh, a nickname Matahari might have had. Yeah, well, it sounds like oh, yeah. something that, you know, um, Zhang would be in, like some sort of crouching tiger kind of movie. 
Yeah. And you know that she'd kiss you and then you'd be dead by the end of the film because that always happens with her films. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's in, found in North America and Canada. All um, right. It's Gossamer Assassin. It's Stenolemus lenipes. It's a type of thread-legged bug, which is a subspecies of Reduvid, which are the assassins. Uh, it plays exclusively on spiders. Oh. Um, which, hmm. So, once again, it's basically thumbing its nose at uh, predators <laughs> and going, we can do one better. Usually, it goes for spiders that spin webs rather than ground-hunting spiders too, which is even more sneaky for it. So, what it does, uh, so that it doesn't stick immediately to a web, it goes at the periphery of the web and wraps the spider's silk around its legs so that it can walk on the web without sticking. Oh, so like it like creates little like web booties. Yeah, little little booties made out of silk, and uh, then it uh, it jumps into the spider web, uh, taking cover under storms often when uh, when there's a you know loud, loud noises. Wind. So it does, it moves in a particularly particularly vibrating way that the spider thinks is a leaf blowing on the web. Right. By the time that it realizes that, wait a minute, that's no leaf. <laughs> and then the bug is in striking distance and kills it, drains it, and throws it away. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. You can quite commonly find them in uh, spider webs all over North America and Canada, sitting there going, nope, no spiders in here because we've just eaten them. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about the termite killers? Oh yes, termite killers. There, there are two, two or two or three different types. Uh, you've got termite killers and ant killers. Termites and ants aren't related, but they're both social insects. So, uh, I suppose they just decide. One branch decided, mm, I like termites better, and the other one, no, I like dark meats. So I'll go for the ants. You know, kind of thing. But uh, again, they're a type of assassin bug. Uh, there are two primary species of interest. You've got Salaviata variegata, which is found in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and that, that feeds exclusively on termites. All right. Once again, it's sneaky. It takes advantage of the termite's instinctive response when it finds a dead nestmate, which is basically bag it and send it to the morgue. You know, they once a termite, if a termite whilst it's wandering around finds a dead colleague, right, it picks it up and puts it in the midden, which is basically the termite's garbage dump okay. and graveyard. The termite killer basically first lures one off on its own. It kills it, drains it, and then it takes it the body. And dangles it over a path where there are other termites walking. Right. And, and then one of the other termites will go, oh, it's a dead nestmate. I better get that. So he goes over, or she, I should say, goes over, grabs the termite, then is flung up into the arms of the assassin bug, which kills it, drains it, and then uses it as a, <laughs> another lure. This is like those evil Viet Cong guys that would, like, injure a soldier and wait for people to come rescue it and... Then shoot those guys. It reminds me of something out of like Return of the Living Dead, you know, like, send more paramedics. Kind of thing. <laughs> or every like TV show from the 80s where everybody gets hoisted up by their foot from a snare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, basically one termite after the other comes to investigate the dead body and becomes a dead body. It's like a fishing <laughs> and expedition. Is, uh, quite, and the termite killer is quite happily sitting going, hmm, good he's, pickings today. He's like a termite fisherman. Yeah, there's another species, Tegia atroptica, which is warningly coloured as an adult, but when it's a nymph, it runs amongst termite colonies, camouflaged with the termite's frass and the corpses of its victims. Oh. It's not content with just killing you, it wears you afterwards. <laughs> it's like Serenity in the Serenity movie when they strap on all the stuff it's, to it's, it's sneak around the It's basically a tiny insectile buffalo bill, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think these, uh, these are sometimes also called uh, backpack uh, assassin bugs, aren't they? Because they have these giant piles of debris and, and corpses that it wears like a backpack. And sometimes the piles of stuff can be bigger than the assassin bug itself. Yeah, yeah. You, you have them wandering around under this enormous pile of dead ants or dead termites. And if a spider or a millipede attacks it, it'll just eject the backpack and run away? Yep, it goes, here, look at this. And runs off and the spider's and going, good, look at all those ants. Oh, they're dead. This is like in The Walking Dead when they like uh, cover themselves in the funk to like get ignored by the zombies. Right. They do the same thing. These particular ones, unlike the one that uses termites to go fishing with, these particular two produce a narcotic chemical from their bodies, which termites and ants find completely irresistible. Once they lick it or smell it, uh, the chemical makes the termites docile and happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thus less inclined to attack the bug. Easy pickings. Plus it eventually makes them stuporous. And so they stumble around and they drunk. act like they're drunk. Yeah, yeah, basically drunk. And the bug just goes, mm, I'll take you somewhere and, you know, sober you up and leaves it <laughs> off on its own and kills it. <laughs> um, and even if the termite around somehow manages to escape from the bug, it eventually dies from the effects of the chemical anyway. So oh, wow. it's a 
pyrrhic victory at best. <laughs> and there's uh, and the ones that uh, attack the ants. There's there's one species that will that has a spot on its abdomen that releases this uh, this uh, <laughs> ambrosia. The, yeah, and the ants will come up right underneath the assassin bug and stick its head against its abdomen and then the assassin bug is in this you know attack pose and the rostrum will come right down almost like a trap right like it'll swing down and spike, spike into the ant and suck its juices it's essentially the equivalent of like a great white shark producing you know like ice cream from its from its fins <laughs> and us coming up and shoving our heads in its mouth <laughs> yeah and the, there is a type of bug um bat bugs bat bugs bat bugs quick robin yes. the bat bugs <laughs> There are actually two different types. One of them is a type of assassin bug. Uh-huh. They take advantage of a bat's inability to groom itself easily by attach- attaching to a bat permanently and sucking their blood all the time. Parasitic. Mm-hmm. And one bat can have as many tw- as 20 bugs on them and be able to do anything at all. <laughs> like a little pincushion. <laughs> oh, grody. <laughs> There's another type, uh, which is another assassin, that instead of going on them all the time, it just... It chills out in the bat's cave and right. goes, hmm, I'm hungry now. I think I'll go bat hunting. Right. Yeah. It basically looks, or it doesn't look, it uses its sense of smell to uh, track down uh, a bat, which is often a vampire bat, which is rather ironic. Ooh. Uh-huh. Now the sucker becomes the, the sucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. Karma's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, large infestations of this particular bat bug can actually kill a vampire and um yeah i think there's a, a video that you're going to link to that has a bunch of um bat bugs assassin bugs attacking a vampire bat baby yeah that's kind of fallen on the floor of the bat cave and this could be the next sequel to human centipede you got a vampire bat sucking like on a cow and you got these assassin bugs sucking on the bat and just this like giant blood train <laughs> all about the blood train <laughs> choo choo it's actually quite a hard video to watch because, I mean, the bat, even though it's a vampire bat, it's still cute because it's a baby. And then I'm on the bat, bug side as well because I'm an entomologist. But it's like a, there's one point where it's like a Tarantino standoff. They're like all looking at each other. And then the bugs like close in. It's like, eh, what are you going to do to us, blood bag? You know, sparkle at us or something. You know? uh-huh. and, then like, and then they just jump on it and drain it. <laughs> it's like, Oh, yeah, so this video will definitely go on the website, causticsodapodcast.com. I was not expecting the bugs to be this big compared to the bat. That's terrible. Now I know 
that he's the drummer Got that drumstick in his hand In the news, July 2011, a small agricultural pest called the cottony cushion scale exhibits a bizarre form of hermaphroditism in which parasitic males infect their daughters at birth. This parasite lives in the daughter and fertilizes her eggs. A new study reports that males of the insect species are dying out. Oh. The father has a selfish interest. If he could mate with his daughters and father their daughters, that would increase his fitness. So he sets up this tissue in them, which is just a little clone of himself. Research okay. developed a mathematical model to study the insect's reproductive patterns. Once infected, females tend to reproduce with their parasitic fathers rather than an outside male. As a result, the true male population dwindles. The males exist, but they are very, very rare. Most of them are hermaphrodites, so it's... Um it, it sort of balances out. <laughs> Researchers are setting up a lab population of the, ins- of the insect at Oxford to answer questions about the role of males if all females are hermaphrodites. If these real males are able to mate with hermaphroditic females, how does their sperm compete with the sperm already in the females? Although hermaphrodism is not rare in the rest of the animal kingdom, the cottony cushion scale is one of only three insect species known to exhibit the behavior. There's a dude, and he fathers daughters, and he wants to keep all of his daughters to himself, so he creates a little mini clone to scare away other competing males so he can go around and hump all his daughters. They say male and female, but 97% of them are both hermaphrodites. You do have true males and true females, but they're rare. Mm -hmm. Basically what they do is... Uh, they fertilize themselves so that they impregnate themselves. Okay. Then once the egg is fertilized by the sperm, they deliberately introduce more sperm into the embryo. And uh, this sperm lives on inside the developing offspring as basically a sexual tumor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I've been called a sexual tumor, I would be a rich man. That is your that is your new nickname. I got to move over, Huggasaurus. Here comes sexual tumor. T M. So eventually, they fertilize the eggs of their offspring. So basically, the one scale insect can be its its offspring's father, grandfather, mother, and grandmother all at once. That's effed up. (laughs) This is like that time that uh, Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones' son married his husband, his father's wife's mother, and became his father-in-law. That's true. That I don't happened. even think my brain covered what you just no, said. No, I, I, I was lost at the at bizarre form of hermaphrodism. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just going to read the rest of this article and pretend it makes sense to me. Your head started to spin. It's a Dr. Phil episode all on its own. You are your own father. So wait a sec. This is like the inception of insemination. That's right, yeah. Right. Inceptionation. Yo, dog, I heard you like sperm, so we put some sperm inside your sperm so you can sperm when you sperm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, this is, but now the bug is going to die out as a result of this? What's the trickle down effect? Just the males, just the males, probably. Males are obsolete. Oh. They don't need them. Oh, they don't need them anymore. Like Humankind's kind of getting to that point now, really. <laughs> like, we don't need this many men in the world. What, Rich, I'm just going to say it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Fair well, enough. Actually, Gavin, I, let me let me change what I was going to say, because maybe this will be more acceptable to you. we got enough straight men in the world. How about that? <laughs> you know, we don't need that many men to impregnate women. One ah. man can handle ten easily, so let's make 90% of men gay. How, what do you say to that? Because then you win and I win. Yeah, like that it's, is a win-win. Yeah, I don't think we have enough gay men either. We don't. We need more. Yeah. Well, let's move on to pop culture then. True Bugs pop culture. The only movie that I could find was The Beast Within that was specifically uh, True Bug. It's uh, by Philippe Mora, who did Howling 3. Um, so you can probably guess... <laughs> You've seen that right, right Kevin. His, his magnum opus. Well, I can't watch that because I haven't seen Howling 1 or 2. <laughs> So I would well, Howling Three, is, Howling Three is the one with set in Australia with marsupial werewolves. Oh, okay, oh, okay. nice. All right. 
Do, do they grab people and put them in their pouches? He's a, he's a mad <laughs> French-Australian director. It should have been called the cuddling. <laughs> the, the pouchinating. Beast Within uh, deals with a 17-year cicada monster. Ah. You've got a, a 17-year-old kid who uh, basically uh, the bad guy from Total Recall and Robocop, um, Ronnie Cox, he and his wife are driving along one night and his wife is pulled out of the car by a cicada monster. And humped. And humped, yeah. It's a very rapey movie. There's several monster rape scenes in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Their, their son grows up. He's just about to turn 17, and wouldn't you know it, on his 17th birthday, he starts turning into a cicada dun, dun, creature dun. and uh, starts getting rape happy. <laughs> yes, and the, the actual climactic transformation is good. Uh-huh. Uh, it's actually kind of Rob Bottin-like. It looks like something out of The Howling or The Thing. Okay. But the problem is that... Um, Every other character is like there's a guy with a shotgun, there's a doctor with like a scalpel, and there's a nurse who just stands there. And they all just stand there for what seems like 17 years themselves right. while he transforms. And then he just kills them. And it's like if you stop just standing there gawking, you could have you calmly walked out the door. Isn't this just like the fly without the teleporter? Yeah, it's the fly with the cicada instead of a, a, a fly, basically. Right. All right, okay. And uh, with much less good actors than Jeff Goldblum. But uh, it's got a campy charm. Campy <laughs> Let's charm. put it that way. Okay. Well, that's very caustic then. There's an episode of X-Files from the second season called F. Emasculata. Basically, it's a hyped up Shuggers disease. Yes. A plague unleashed locally. It's a, a small experimental plague. This is season two, so the, con- the conspiracy and the consortium hadn't really gotten off the ground yet. Right. This shady sort of shadowy thing happens in this hospital. This bug called F. Emasculata, which is a type of assassin bug bites you, injects its larvae into you, uh, or its nymphs into you, and they basically cause you to hemorrhage to death and have all these horrible welts all over your body that pop and shower you with more nymphs. I thought with the masculata, it was definitely going to have to do something with, like, (laughs) penis falling off, right? Just shouting you down. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically a a scully-centric, because she's the doctor, so she has to... um, It happens in a prison. The, The pharmaceutical company orchestrates this supposedly self-contained plague right. in a prison. That's, that's, that's yeah. pretty interesting, All as right. X-Files episode goes. They get most of their entomological facts right. They actually use real kiss, not kissing bugs, they use real assassin bugs, yeah. but not the dangerous types. The only time they actually get their facts wrong a little is when they say a parasitoid is a parasite that carries other parasites, and I was like, that's where I spat my coke out. <laughs> <laughs> and, threw some, and threw a bucket of bees at the television. It was, it was a bug's life at the cinema all over again. Oh, was, no. Oh, no. But that, that's where I was like, there are no baby ants! This time I was like, uh, you know... Um, <laughs> Basically, this one is like, no, a, a parasitoid is basically an insect that always kills its host. It's a parasite that always kills its host. So that's the only thing they really got. Uh, okay. Right, okay. Uh, good to know for uh-huh. future reference. So technically, the aliens in Aliens are parasitoids. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. If you consider them insects, which I do because they're cool like that. <laughs> sure. And then what was the other X-Files episode? Yeah, there's another one, a season five episode called Folia Do. It's never actually identified as a bug but they compare it to other insects that are bugs because this guy thinks his boss is a giant bug uh-huh. that is taking people one by one into his office for, I don't know, prep talk or whatever, killing them and turning them into his zombie slaves. Okay. And then at some point, Scully so, says, that's impossible. Pretty much the entire episode, she's yeah. going, oh, Moldy, you're nuts, you're nuts. And this time he actually does get committed because he, she thinks he's nuts. Oh, nice. But of course... He's right. Um, uh-huh. There is a giant bug, and it goes to kill him and zombify him whilst he's restrained in his mental hospital. Oh, my God. They do show the insect thing, but it moves in a really weird kind of Jacob's Ladder kind of way, and it's kind of out of phase. So it's really well done. So you never actually get a good look at it. Right. Uh, which is good because in the still pictures of it, it looks pretty hokey and rubbery. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why they did it that way. Probably was going to be like key lit and all the rest of that stuff from the beginning and then had to like tone it back. Pretty much. Yeah, but this one has a lot of shots of David Duchovny tied down to a hospital bed whilst he's being menaced by a giant bug. And I, I can't <laughs> fault the hemipterans in that particular regard. Yeah. But yeah, Scully ends up saving the day by basically bursting in and shooting at it and then basically saying, oh, I didn't see a giant bug when you, she obviously did see a giant bug. So there's some, some serious um, you know, self-delusion going on with Scully at that oh, point. Oh, Scully. <laughs> when will you learn? It was an episode of the 80s version of The Twilight Zone. 
uh, called The Burning Man. And it dealt with a cicada monster. They didn't really talk too much about it. It was kind of vague. The, they show the 17-year cicadas at the beginning. Right. And you hear them at the end when, they're, when they're chirping away. Okay. But basically, it's uh, Robert's Blossom, who's like the quintessential creepy old guy. Yeah. He was in Christine and um, he was in Home Alone as basically a creepy old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he actually only died last year. I think he was about 88 or 89 when he died, but he looked about 10 years older, so he was always getting cast as right. creepy, creepy old, guy. old man. He's been a creepy old man since he was 42. And he plays a 17-year man um, who's mm-hmm. been baking in the soil for ages and ages. He hasn't molted yet. No, he's going to molt into it. He says to Piper Laurie and uh, the kid from the Monster Squad that um, he's going to live for 24 hours or live for a day and then die and become young again and, uh, and things. And then he starts talking about eating people. Yeah. And so they, so they kick him out of the car and go diving in the lake and doing things. And then say, oh, wasn't he a crazy old coot? And then they uh, come back and they pick up the creepy red-haired kid from different strokes. Danny Cooksey, <laughs> who had a small part in Terminator 2 as the red-haired mulleted, mulleted kid. Yeah, but he was like the evil little child in everything, including different strokes, because he was like the... <laughs> you know, so once you see that kid, you know he's bad. So he turns out to be uh, the old man, you know, turned into a young body and he says the same catchphrase that the old guy did it's implied that he's going to eat them uh then there's also the pilot episode of eon flux has a uh a chaga's disease like uh storyline and uh an assassin bug in it yeah and she's an assassin so it kind of like um, yeah. parallels her except it's wearing a lot more than she is because she pretty much wears like two <laughs> yeah. of leather throughout the entire yeah. thing little um, if anything there's some i mean it's psychedelic just by itself the whole Eon Flux kind of thing. But then they have this part where the guys who've been bitten or been infected with the Chagas disease are having these hallucinations and it gets even more surreal. There's like little guys rowing boats and that morph into dead heads and stuff like that. Oh, really? It's, uh, it's cool. <laughs> one, one of them sees a, a grenade that's about to go off turning into a fish and yeah. then it explodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite cool. And in the world of comics, there's Ambush Bug. Yeah. He's remember him from DC? He's out of his mind, isn't he? Or just like wacky? He's, one of my favorite limited series that DC ever put out. There were two Ambush Bug limited okay. series. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't a, read them, but I know that he's kind of like a kooky, breaking the fourth wall character, kind of like dead. Oh, cool, yeah. But yeah, it was Keith Geffen was the mind behind Ambush Bug. And yeah, he, he totally breaks down the fourth wall and talks to the reader. And uh, he really doesn't have any powers of consequence. He and, teleports. Yeah, he can blink in and blink out of places, but yeah. sometimes he doesn't really have control over it. He's kind of worthless as far as like a hero is concerned. So he doesn't drain anyone dry of their entire blood supply. Or no, nothing yeah. like that. He uh, it sort of intimates too that it's like it's a suit because it kind of like fits oddly, yeah, but he yeah, never yeah. takes it off. And the whole thing is very tongue in cheek. And it's quite funny. It's the first real, true comedy comic that I ever re- read. <laughs> so he's and, like Deadpool with four extra legs. <laughs> no, he's he's very humanoid. He's just got arms and legs and antenna, and he's green, uh, and he's very self-deprecating. And uh, yeah, he's terribly funny. He was a member of the Justice League of Anarchy for a brief time. Ambush Bug was kicked out of the afterlife by death of the Endless. Oh, I haven't read that. <laughs> And uh, he appears in a cartoon, the series finale of Batman the Brave and the Bold. Oh, really? And, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and it's a, I watched it last night. He's voiced by Henry Winkler. Nice. <laughs> Does he go awesome. A? Does no, he, he doesn't go A. So it's the last episode because it jumped the bug? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that, it starts out with Batman jumping the shark with Aquaman. That's how it starts out. And Batmite... Is kind of the villain. <laughs> Gorilla Grodd's in it as well, but Batmite is like, this series sucks. I got to find a way to cancel it. So he starts changing things with Batman. He gives him like those uniforms that you only see on the toy shelf. Like, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Arctic Repeller Batman. And he's got right. all this gear all over him. Yeah. And he changes people's voices and tries to find some way to get the series canceled so there can be a cooler, darker Batman series after this one. Yeah. This is, this is exactly the tone that all the ambush bug series had. And the reason that I don't think he ever got an ongoing series at any point. Uh, and why it's always, he had like two limited series because I don't think it would work 
like you know month in and month out for like yeah, hundreds yeah, and yeah. hundreds of issues. Yeah. But it was a perfect little vehicle for a miniseries. For He's sure. like DC's in joke. Like whenever artists have a chance to draw him into a right. cover or something in the background, yeah. they'll put. Him You'll in. have a little. Yeah, he'll peek around things. Yeah. It's like his head and <laughs> antenna are always kind of like. Sometimes you'll see just like the top of his head and the antenna. Well, it must be time for the lesser of two evils being thrown into the bug pit. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the 19th century bug pit in Uzbekistan. This is Uzbekistan. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Kick. Versus Pol Pot taking you out into the countryside to become a part of his perfect agrarian society and working you to death in the rice paddies. I know my answer and I hate it. I know my answer <laughs> I and I hate it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think we have the same answer. So just for people who may not have listened to the Pol Pot episode, which you, you're crazy. Yeah. If you haven't. Yeah. But in Cambodia in the 70s? In the 70s. Yep. Pol Pot took over the country, took everyone out of the cities, marched them into the fields, yep. and you became a farmer mm-hmm. under nope. this totalitarian regime. Right. And they where, worked you pretty much to death. Yeah. And you yeah. were constantly, uh, there were certain rules. You weren't allowed to do a whole bunch of things that are just basic human rights. And in a three and a half year period, about approximately a quarter of the entire country's population died. So you are one of these people. So you got a one in four chance of dying in the rice paddies. You could be worked to death. You could do something wrong and be asphyxiated. They sometimes would club you to death with metal pipes, and sometimes they would suffocate you with plastic bags, and sometimes they would hack you apart with machetes. And And you're living on the rice you're making. Or right. not making if you're a bad farmer. Yeah, I'm a bad <laughs> farmer. I know that. Or, uh, you know, eating geckos that you uh, find crawling around the ground. Or you're in Uzbekistan in the 19th century and you get to live for a year or more uh, being fed constantly upon by assassin bugs and scorpions. I'd be jumping into the bug pit. Oh, you're loving it, aren't you? I'd be having a ball because, <laughs> you know, I, uh, scorpions don't tend to eat you. They just sort of crawl on you and they're not going to sting you unless they're f- frightened of you. And I'd be going, hi, little fellas. All right. But what about, what about the, the assassin bugs? Yeah. What about the assassin bugs? The hundred assassin bugs feeding on you daily. Well, after a while, I'm sure that I'd sate their appetite for a while. Then I could explain to them that I'm an entomologist and therefore, obviously, on their side. Uh-huh. Sure. They'll listen to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm confident I could get around them, you know, like being tra- treating them nicely. I'm sure they're only they're maladjusted because they're in the bug pit and no one's been nice to them. So I'd, I'd be oh, like, hi. hi, George, how are you? And patting him on the head. You could just take your rat and take your assassin bug and put them together <laughs> and then they'll leave you alone. For sure, in the bug pit, you would get more food than you would out in the rice paddy That's in true. Cambodia. And probably better. Yeah. Well, Lots of protein you know. anyway. Yeah, You get sure. used to the, the grossness pretty quick. So I'm just talking about the actual, what you're getting out of it. It's true. Now, Kevin, you hate being in prison. That's I, one uh, of your most hated things. So is, I think I know what your answer is going to be. If I'm in Cambodia, now knowing, looking back on it, there's only a one in four chance I'm going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and his regime was three and a half years. It's less than college. I survived that. Hmm. So uh, I'm I'm going with uh, – I'm going to take my chances with the Khmer Rouge. Now, one thing we didn't mention uh-huh. about the bug pit is both of these British guys were executed two years later. Is that part of this? Well, let's say it's a possibility. <laughs> There's, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be taken out of the bug pit after two years and just say, set free. Are we going to say 25% chance of survival? Sure, let's both? do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Your chances of survival are the same. I'm going with uh, yeah, slave labor in the rice paddy. Because uh, I do not want to be fed on by, you know, buckets of angry bugs on a constant basis. And I just really, really dislike hard manual labor. And, <laughs> like, I hate it more than I hate being fed on by bugs. <laughs> That's a lot of hate. That is a lot of hate. <laughs> I'm lazy. And, and also, when you're looking at, like, uh, the enemies that you have to deal with, me versus angry, ideological farmer communists who think i'm a bourgeois useless worthless human mm-hmm. or me versus a bunch of bugs i think i can outsmart the bugs i can just start rolling around and <laughs> creating a bug paste you know take my few stings as i just steamroll them i'll just go around in a circle i'll be the mills the bug millstone burn you have to sleep eventually my friend i know but i, I can sleep on and a big pile be, of gooey dead bugs and you'll be making out with kissing bugs yeah, you won't even while. get the pleasure of it i'll continue the steamroller the next day <laughs> eventually i can't steamroll i can't steamroll the Khmer rouge they have guns 
It's true. I'd be confident after two years that I'd be training the bugs in some way. So if they came to take <laughs> yeah. the executor, I'd be going like, get him! That's right. Bugs, and, form know, a ladder. <laughs> yeah, you actually become a supervillain, just like you always wanted. I could have them suck the Emir dry and then take his place. Even better, they all they all <laughs> just latch onto your body and start flying away and lift you up out of the pit. <laughs> you up. You're like the old man from up by the end of your prison term. you got to find a way to get through those bars, though. Well, Torn, we haven't heard from you yet. Where are you well, falling down the Well, I'm trying to think equation? in which of these situations I can go to my happy place <laughs> and just pretend I'm not there. And as we discussed in Pol Pot, you are totally underfed and you just can't even think properly. Right. Uh, like watching the movie The Killing Fields, I'm like, why doesn't he just pick up a red sash, yeah. a red hanky, put it on? I'm one of you guys. Yeah. I'm walking out of here. But then even if you do that, you're walking through the jungle, you have no idea where you're going. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're like ridiculously weak, like all the workers, and not well fed, like yeah, all the actual exactly. Khmer Rouge. Yeah, the sash is not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And how long is this going to last for? Three and a half years, max. Max. That's if you don't walk your way to Thailand, like the guy from Killing yeah. Fields. Uh, see, I also hate walking. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm leaning towards the bug pit. Yeah. Wow. I, again, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, no. I, I knew instantly the... what my decision was. Joe, not like Gavin, Joe. You've played this game before. I know. That's that's why it happened so quick. I yeah. think I'm getting good at lesser two evils. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what I choose, but I hate that I would choose that. Yeah, I definitely knew what I was going to choose, and it was not to be locked up in a hole filled with bugs. Oh, it's going to be rough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> either way, it's either way, absolutely. Like if I get thrown down with another buddy. Like, what's-his-name did? Colonel uh, Poopy Pants. Then you could tell them, eat him instead. Yeah, or, yeah. or you could have a, con- a discussion about you could current use, events and whatnot. Well, you could create chess sets out of dead bugs, yeah, pose exactly. them. All right, bug pit. Yeah. <laughs> I can have bug chess. I'm choosing the bug pit. Scorpion to Queen Cicada 3. <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. 